There they are. <laughs> Calvin, I got no, 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 bad news. Keep your voices down. Now sit down. Sit down. Was it the shark? It was a shark. It was a shark with a bite radius about a yard across. Don't be silly. Indicator. A shark of some 35 feet in length. You said it exactly. Our shark still has all its teeth. Yeah. That means it was a baby. Our shark couldn't have killed Overman. Its mother did. You talking about some damn shark's mother? Calvin, don't you hear what she's saying here? Oh, I'm listening. Now, if there is such an animal, she gave birth way out to sea and the baby swam through the sea gate that you left open, Brody. No. Overman was killed inside the park. The baby was caught inside the park. Its mother is inside the park. What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, welcome back. You're in the midst of the top 83 albums from 1983 countdown. This ranking is completely my opinion, my countdown. But I hope you're enjoying it out there. I hope you're discovering some stuff, maybe hearing some stuff you haven't heard in a long time, like this one, for instance. Coming in at number 60 here is this band, another Scottish band. Scotland's doing pretty well this year on the charts. Just the fact that it has a handful of representatives, I think, is really neat. But yes, this Scottish hardcore punk rock band called The Exploited. They put out this record here in 1983 called Let's Start a War, officially titled Let's Start a War, and then in parentheses, said Maggie one day. Yes, we are in the absolute thick of anti-Thatcher culture, and traditionally a lot of great punk rock music comes out of being protest songs, so the early 80s being no exception, the hardcore movement's in full swing, exploited one of the bands at the top of that game, and they got this pretty damn strong album out here in 1983, Let's Start a War, and always a fun way to start off a show with some high-velocity punk rock music. 
So, kicking off the show here today, here is The Exploited with Eyes of the Vulture. 135 American Marines were killed. It's now thought that the death toll from the huge terrorist bombs in Beirut could reach 200. Does not pay. 
kicking off the show here today and kicking off this portion of our top 83 albums from 1983 countdown that was the exploited coming in at number 60 right there with their let's start a war album and that was eyes of the vulture a definite highlight of this very on the nose anti-war and anti-fascism record so yeah i enjoyed it of course a little bit on principle but also it is good punk rock music if you are any kind of remote fan of that Speaking of punk rock music, stay tuned in this episode. We will hear from a massive, legendary punk rock stalwart who went on a very interesting tangent in the year 1983. You know, I never do any teases hardly during a show, but that one's so massive, I feel like I got to talk about it. So stay tuned. And as you do, and as we like to do here on Rock Strikes 10, the countdowns and those A to Z odds and ends definitely lead to crazy transitions. And I'm pretty proud of this one right here, coming in at number 59. This one right here. And honestly, I, I got to say, as much as I like the big, huge song off of this record, I had never heard this album before prior to doing all of these reviews for inclusion, for potential inclusion on this countdown. So I was a little surprised that this album made it. But I got to say, this falls in line. If you're a fan of Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell record, and subsequently the true sequel, honestly, not the official, but the true sequel, in my opinion, to Bad Out of Hell is Jim Steinman's Bad for Good record. Go check that out if you've never heard it. I think I played that on one of my other countdowns recently. It was either 81 or 82, I don't remember. But in 83, Jim Steinman produced a record for this very talented singer, and led to tons of Bad Out of Hell vibes and Bad for Good vibes. Once again, with Bonnie Tyler's Faster Than the Speed of Night. Yes, that album. The one that has the big monster single Total Eclipse of the Heart on there. I actually wound up digging this album pretty well. There's a couple of duds on it. But I did think that it was a surprising album for me personally here in 1983. So I'm actually glad it came in here on the countdown. Interestingly enough, for an album that Jim Steinman had a hand in producing, and clearly he wrote Total Eclipse of the Heart. That is just vintage Jim Steinman right there. He only writes one other song on the album, which is the title track, Faster Than the Speed of Night. And once again, much like Total Eclipse, you can hear Meatloaf singing that song easy. But yes, that revelation was surprising that he only wrote those two songs. Uh, the other half of the album is covers, but they're really neat covers. The really random one to me was the just fresh out of the bakery cover of Brian Adams straight from the heart, which cuts like a knife had come out earlier that year. And just the fact that it's already on this record, it's like, wow, that, that's pretty crazy. The album opens up with a cover of CCRs. Have you ever seen the rain? So yeah, it's, it's a fun, weird, random album. And I really dig it actually. So once again, just surprised that I never heard this album all the way through until this year. But hey, that's why I do these shows mainly. Uh, you might expect me to go with the big single, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to play one of the other cover songs that I was so surprised to hear. And I was like, no, this can't. No, it really is. Wow, it is a cover of this song. One of my personal all-time favorite Blue Oyster Cult songs is covered here by Bonnie Tyler on her biggest selling album of all time. So I got to play it here. So here is Bonnie Tyler singing Going Through the Motions. Enjoy. Yeah. 
yet another factor, I'm assuming, it was definitely subliminal when I first heard the original version of Going Through the Motions by Blue Oyster Cold, as you just heard, covered there by Bonnie Tyler off of her album Faster Than the Speed of Night. And of course, there's that you know, rock and riff with the piano on top of it. And obviously, there's going to be some Jim Steinman piano influence on any album that he touches. But the reason why the song is that way is because that song was actually co-written by a guy you heard earlier on the countdown, the great Ian Hunter. Yes, he wrote that song with Eric Bloom of BOC. And that's why you get that great kind of glam rock kind of piano guitar attack on there. So there you go. Fun fact right there as I try to throw down here on a little bit on every episode here of Rock Strikes 10 because that's just what I do. So there you go. Bonnie Tyler at 59 coming in at number 58. Speaking of another great songwriter, Graham Parker right here with one of his solo albums. And I guess officially this is like his seventh album overall, including the stuff with The Rumor, his old band. But in 1983, Graham Parker put out this album called The Real Macaw. Great title because it actually has a macaw bird on the cover. So there you have it. But yes, Graham Parker, I enjoy his records. He's a very consistent performer. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he does here as the timeline moves on. And even back there in the 70s, earlier on, I'm sure he'll do pretty decently on all these countdowns. I enjoyed this run through of The Real McCall. I don't think I'd ever heard this one top to bottom either. But yeah, very enjoyable. I've always enjoyed most Graham Parker things that I've listened to. So check out The Real McCall for yourself to get you enticed. Here's my personal favorite song off of this record. The song is called Passive Resistance. Nothing can be further removed Not everybody wants to be sued Ooh, they're out there now In their padded cells and armchairs Waiting for the nervous twitch that signals fear Hooked up to a cardiogram so it cuts out when you cry or laugh What by those who if you screw up Treat you to a broken nose If you tap your toes Passive resistance If it's not for them then it's not for you Passive resistance Well the only deal is the right view Consultants have the final say How it is Take home all the ones that missed for souvenirs For their kids to play Passive resistance It's all programmed by programmers Passive resistance You're just a nail underneath their hammers Passive resistance And it breaks my heart to know no heart and 
can be further removed. Not everybody wants to be sued. Oh, they must be real people that you never meet and never feel, and they don't feel you. Passive resistance, you get surveyed out of existence. Passive resistance, just one of the million silent listeners. Passive resistance, it's all pro. Your heart to know there's no heart in that. Nice quality stuff right there by Graham Parker with the song Passive Resistance off of The Real Macaw. And just in case you get a lot of Joe Jackson vibes off this song, because you should, because I do, but there's another big reason for that. Even just on the production side of things, this album, The Real Macabre, was produced by the same guy who was a longtime producer of Joe Jackson's, David Kirschenbaum, and he, in fact, produced Joe Jackson's Night and Day from the year before. So there you go. Your, your ears do not deceive you in that Joe Jackson kind of vibe. And speaking of producers, I forgot to mention this a few minutes ago before I played that song and I was still talking about Bonnie Tyler and Jim Steinman and all that stuff. One of my favorite music moments of 1983, especially for someone that truly believes that the pop charts, like the Hot 100, is at its peak here in the early 80s. Jim Steinman had like the best week ever at some point. I don't know the exact week, but at some point in 1983, Jim Steinman was the writer of the top two songs in the U.S. That'd be Total Eclipse of the Heart, peaking at number one on the countdown, and holding off the number two song, which was Air Supplies, Making Love Out of Nothing at All, which is a Jim Steinman song. You know, and some of you can just breathe a sigh of relief, and I will apologize to the rest of you. I failed to play that song on the odds and ends of 1983 because I damn well should have because Air Supply's Greatest Hits is a top album for me, almost up there with Rock and Soul Part 1. So I did fail to play Air Supply's Making Love Out of Nothing at All on the odds and ends. So I apologize to the ones who are sad about that and... Uh, you can thank me for the ones who don't feel the same way I do about that song. And if you don't feel anything for Air Supply, maybe you won't like this song either. Because i got to say, this next song actually gave me a, a little bit, just a smidge of All Out of Love vibes by Air Supply. But this record right here, this was another surprise record for me. Coming in here at number 57 is another British fellow by the name of Martin Briley, who... I will confess, I have only ever known his one big hit, which is The Salt in My Tears, which, as a matter of fact, it did come out in 1983 on this album that I'm about to talk about. The album's called One Night with a Stranger. Uh, this album was produced by a guy named Peter Coleman. And, man, this is just like a peak early 80s pop rock, power pop, whatever you want to call it, kind of record if you love that kind of early 80s AOR pop rock music 
then you got to get on this record. I, I can't believe I never heard this album before. I enjoyed it that much. So yeah, it's just fun for the most part. And it's got a couple of good ballads on there too. When the ballads are good, when I think the ballads are good, that should be saying something. So I, I think actually overall my favorite song on this record is the ballad. So I got to play it here for you. So bear with me here, but hopefully you'll enjoy this as much as I do, or at least half as much as I do. Then you'll definitely be getting a nice, good chill in, the, in a good way. So here is Martin Briley with Maybe I've Waited Too Long. Thank you. 
Coming in at number 57 right there, that was Martin Briley and his really cool early 80s pop record right there called One Night with a Stranger. That song right there, Maybe I've Waited Too Long. That song is so good that Adam Schlesinger could have written that song. That's how good that song is. But So there you go. I wasn't going to say hope you enjoyed it. How did you not enjoy that? So good. Okay, but I'm going to have to check out some more Martin Briley. So hopefully you'll do the same. It's coming in at number 56 right here. The tease from earlier. I'm going to pay it off now. So this album took a long time for me to hear about as a fan because that was really by design, by the band. It's one of those things where the band, it seems like they don't really want you to know about this album because it's not, quote-unquote, great for their image. But this second album here, by a band that I have already talked about in this 80s timeline. I believe they put out their debut album the year before this, in 82, because I talked about it. But the second album by Bad Religion, there's this album here called Into the Unknown, and man, is it a journey into the unknown. I was reading up on it recently when I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to this record now. And this was my first top-to-bottom listen, full confession. As much as I am a fan of Bad Religion, I've never been able to get my hands on it. So the idea was once I finally get my hands on a copy, then I'll actually do a real listen for it. But for the purpose of doing this 1983 retrospective, I did go on YouTube, but I did give it the full top to bottom listen, even though it was on YouTube, put the headphones on and everything. And I was like, wow, you know, I was expecting this to be a little too weird for me to even enjoy it on certain principles, but it's not that bad. I, it's, I'm kind of 50-50 on, oh, I can see why the band doesn't want you to hear it. But at the same time, I don't think they should be embarrassed about it. Because it seems like they are embarrassed about this. Why, you ask? Uh, yeah, I've teased that part long enough. So right after the first album, Bad Religion, they start working on their second album. And they turn in this album that's not so much a punk rock album. It is basically more hard rock leaning And if that wasn't weird enough, hard rock makes sense for them in in a way. But there's a lot of prog leanings on this record. A lot of science fiction-based content. You even have the the sci-fi space cover, so that that helps or hurts it. But as far as overall imaging, it, it makes total sense. So yes, and... Long story long, Bad Religion does this album that deviates way, way out of their comfort zone. And after this, they never do it again. So clearly there was a backlash. They have kept this album out of print for the most part. Uh, Sadly, I wish I'd have known this, but apparently the only time they've ever reissued this album was when they put out their complete vinyl box set, I guess, at one point, like over a decade ago. So unfortunately, I missed out on a vinyl of it. But maybe someday they'll reissue it. I will get it then if that happens, especially if that's the only way to get this on vinyl because it's such an interesting footnote in their history that they don't want you to know about. So I have teased this thing long enough. 
So now let's play a song off it from the self-produced sophomore album by Bad Religion into the unknown. This is The Dichotomy.
See, that wasn't so bad, was it? I, I thought it was cool. I, I did enjoy this record, Into the Unknown by Bad Religion. One of the other things I actually did read about this album, a positive that they got out of this supposed negative in their career is they spent a good amount of time with the two-part harmony structure of the vocals, which they hadn't done before, and it did actually shape their sound for future records. And that's one thing that I think has always been a great calling card for a band like Bad Religion. It really made them stick out as those two-part harmonies that they would do. So I've always liked that about the band, and so I'm glad they did this record on principle. But I did like it, and I would definitely say go check it out. I know some Bad Religion fans out there that are that are really into the band. Have you heard this record? I could I could ask Pete LaRusso, for instance, for sure. I know he's a fan. Have you heard this? Have you seen it out and about? Grab it if you see it. Okay, coming in at number 55 right here is another great punk rock band that you should know about and should at least have heard by now. It's a band called Wipers. And they put out their instant classic last year in 82, Youth of America. And they followed that up in 83 with this record right here, Over the Edge, which doesn't get a ton of love from the fan base, but it's a fun top-to-bottom record. It's maybe not as good as Youth of America. It probably isn't, but... I thought it was good. I can't really go deep as far as talking about this album because I just thought it was good. And I don't have any like fun facts or anything except for the fact that the uh, producer's name here on the credits is Brain Eater. But yeah, here you go. Let's play some Wipers, shall we? My favorite song off of this record here is a song called Messenger. Turn it up. Wipers checking in on this countdown here, coming in at number 55 of the top 83 albums of 1983. That was from the album Over the Edge, and that was Messenger 
And once again, we move over to something completely different for entry number 54. One of those interesting rare instances where the sophomore album is the runaway success of a band's career. It's not a complete anomaly, but it is definitely noteworthy. And in this case, their biggest record to date still, Night Ranger, with their second album, Midnight Madness, that was released in October of 83, produced by Pat Glasser. And easily their biggest album, three huge singles on there, including the monster, monster power ballad there, Sister Christian. And then two other really fun rock songs there for rock radio, When You Close Your Eyes, and of course the great You Can Still Rock in America, featuring the man Glenn Hughes on backup vocals, if you didn't know that. Not the strongest top-to-bottom album, but definitely on the strength of those three singles does the album succeed in a massive way. Although, I'm going to play you my favorite deep cut from Midnight Madness, the song that kicks off side two of the record, and that would be Touch of Madness. Enjoy.
Not to be confused with the Jermaine Jackson song of the same name. Not even remotely getting confused with that, but I just wanted to reference it. But that was Touch of Madness by Night Ranger from Midnight Madness, their biggest album, and number 54 here on the countdown. Coming in at number 53 is the third solo album by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Definitely not messing with the formula here for three years running after her initial huge success as a solo artist. This album came out in the summer of 83, and keeping all the original production team together, Kenny Laguna, Richie Cordell, Joan, they're all back. And for me as a fan, definitely a little bit of a drop-off from the first two albums, Bad Reputation and I Love Rock and Roll. Those are pretty damn solid records. This one does reek a little bit of, of more of the same and a little bit diminishing returns. It's an alright record. Uh, it definitely made it here in this position on the countdown due to a little bit of my fandom, but also I like the good stuff quite a bit. So it makes up for the stuff that's a little less than. So there you go. There's my review for Album. And to represent Album, I'm going to play one of the singles off of it. Always been one of my favorite Joan songs. So here you go. From the Album Album, this is Joan Jett and the Blackhearts with Fake Friends. Losing friends 
Joan Jett and the Blackhearts right there with Fake Friends from the album Album. Coming in at number 53 here on the countdown. I played the B-side. I think it was the B-side of Fake Friends on the Odds and Ends just a few episodes ago. That song Nighttime, the one that just goes on and on and on. It has a lot groove at the end of the 45. So I think that was the B-side for that. I'm pretty sure throughout the 80s, Joan puts out a record a year. So I'm curious to see if the next one's going to be a bit of a step up or not. We'll see. So stay tuned. As luck would have it, and I didn't do this on purpose, but I'm going to go ahead and revel in it right here because coming in at number 52 is an album that actually parodies Joan Jett. So that can only be one person right there, Weird Al Yankovic. His debut album in 1983, a self-titled debut record, just merely, of course, called Weird Al Yankovic was released in May of 1983, produced by Rick Derringer, who would, I believe, produce every one of Al's records throughout the 80s. I think that's going to be a consistent thing right there. And this is an album that, despite having actually some quote-unquote hit songs and popular songs on the radio, the record didn't do all that great. It wouldn't be until next year that Al really takes off as a recording artist that people actually start buying his records. But for now, he's just considered a flash in the pan and kind of a here today, gone tomorrow kind of guy. And listening to this record, honestly, like it has its moments. But now that I know and we all know that Weird Al Yankovic is capable of so much more, this is not a great debut album, but it skates in here around this position on the countdown. Once again, much like Joan, due to my fandom, but also, for me, the parodies on here are enough to get it up to a decent ranking. So I figured, well, I just played Joan Jett. Let's go ahead and do the aforementioned Joan Jett parody. Because I think overall this is my favorite song on the debut album by Weird Al. So let's have some fun here with I Love Rocky Road.
definitely often wondered over the years that little high-pitched background vocal there towards the end is that a kazoo is that how you get that to work like singing through the kazoo maybe maybe that is how they got it that's just a guess of mine but that was i love rocky road by weird al yankovic and i gotta throw in a big shout out to the star of that song honestly we all know who the star of that song is yeah of course it's musical Mike Kiefer, the guy that makes all the fart noises with his hands. So, yeah, and that guy's all over the record. You'll even hear him make some appearances on the second album. So more on that next year. I'm pretty sure you're going to be hearing that album on next year's Countdown for sure. I hope you're enough of a Weird Al fan. He'll be making most of these countdowns, if I had to guess in advance. Pre-guessing, but yeah, I am a fan. Okay, the last entry of the night here, coming in at number 51, This band who, I gotta say, people consider this band to be a 70s band, and that's not a wrong statement to make. However, I think people wrote them off kind of much like Cheap Trick in the overall grand scheme of things. They had some hits in the 80s, much like Cheap Trick had some hits in the 80s, but they couldn't really shake that 70s stigma as far as being like a major, major player still, which is unfortunate because I think this band's putting out albums just as good, if not sometimes a little better here in the early 80s than they did in the 70s. That's my opinion. But Blue Oyster Cult, definitely high off of the creative success of the album Fire of Unknown Origin in 1981, came back with a very solid record to follow it up in 1983, their ninth album here, Revolution by Night. So if you've never heard this album, give it a go, man, because it's not as good as Fire of Unknown Origin, because that might be their best album. But this one is solid, so give it a go. I learned that two very notable people, one I knew to be associated with the band for a long time, but one I, I did not know to be associated with the band, two notable people with the last name Smith, unrelated, have songwriting credits on this album. One of them being the great Neil Smith, drummer of the original Alice Cooper group, has a co-write on the song Shadow of California. And an interesting tie-in there, currently Dennis Dunaway plays with a couple of guys from Blue Oyster Cult and the band Blue Coop. So the rhythm section seemingly very familiar with Blue Oyster Cult. The other Smith of Note co-wrote the song that I'm going to play for you here to represent this album. Long-time associate, and I think... She used to date or was dating somebody in Blue Oyster Cult, but legendary female punk poet Patti Smith has a co-write on this because they used some of her poetry and wrote a song around it, which I think is pretty cool. And Patti's made an appearance on their albums before due to their association. So no surprise to longtime fans, but I think it still might surprise people that there's a really handful of hip artists 
that are associated with Blue Oyster Cult, who's not considered to be a very hip band, if you will. But I think that's really cool. So let's play that song that was also co-written by Daniel Roser, better known as Buck Dharma, of course, one of the leaders of the band right here. And I have always really liked this song. I've just really liked the the feel and production of it. It's it's a long song, but it's one of those great long songs. I feel like it doesn't really wear it. It's welcome too much. You kind of get lost in it. It just has that kind of feel to it. And the first time I ever heard this song was by way of the single disc best of that I have of theirs on CD called Don't Fear the Reaper. Great, great one disc collection. And this song actually closes it off. So once again, love this song. I'm going to play it for you here. So just in case you never heard it, definitely an unjust failed single. So justice for this song right here should be considered one of their great songs. But here is Blue Oyster Cult with Shooting Shark.
Closing off the show here tonight and coming in at number 51 on our top 83 albums of 1983 countdown. That was Blue Oyster Cult from the album Revolution by Night. That was Shooting Shark. Talked about how good this album sounds. There's a reason for that. The producer of the album, which I didn't mention at the top of the segment, the producer of this album was Bruce Fairbairn, who that guy has produced some great sounding records. Probably his biggest successes, I would say, are Slippery When Wet by Bon Jovi and the two big Aerosmith comeback albums, Permanent Vacation and Pump. So there you have it. Once again, another reason why that record should have been bigger. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you're enjoying the countdown so far, our big, bad, super spectacular 1983 retrospective. We'll be back 
starting off with number 50 on the next episode so stay tuned won't you till then stay tuned for my better half nola with the plugs and followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business take it away nola we would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today you can reach us on facebook or twitter we love getting messages and always do our best to respond Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.